Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Our thinking determines how we relate to everyone in our lives, including ourselves. Okay, let's just begin with God and then our marriage and then ourselves. The way that you think about God affects the way you relate to God. This is our testimony. Karen and I were two toxic people who got married with completely fallen minds and we tried to impose fallenness, our fallen thinking on each other. Karen hated herself. Remember I said, the way we think affects the way we relate to God, our spouse, and ourselves. Karen hated herself, believed that she could not be saved and God hated her. That's what Karen believed. So when we got saved, the way that Karen thought, you know, Karen loved God now, but he, she just didn't think God could love her. I loved the Lord, but I had no concept of a personal relationship. Let me, let's listen to me right now. You can only give away what you have. And if you don't have grace, you can't give it away. And if you're under performance, everybody else around you is under performance. So Karen and I got married with a performance concept of God. Let me tell you some good news about God. He doesn't love you based on how you perform. He loves you in spite of the way you perform. That's called the grace of God. Karen and I were under performance, constantly putting each other under performance, constantly rejecting each other, constantly just in this dance, this painful dance that was caused by the way that we thought about God. Well, the second thing, so, so let, me, let me ask this question, very important question. Where did you get your concepts of God? If they didn't come from here, you're in bondage. If what you believe about God did not come from here, if it came from your parents, if it came from television or movies, if it came from, friend, if it came from friends or society or whatever, if, if you did not get your information, Jesus said, are you my disciple? Are you a disciple of mine? Well, if you are a disciple of mine, you'll have a relationship with this. You'll abide here. The word abide means live, dwell. If you're really a disciple, that will be proved by how you relate to this. And if you relate to this, you're going to know the truth and it's going to make you free. What if you don't have a relationship with this? You're going to be in bondage the rest of your lives. Karen and I were set free by this. Psalm 107.20 says this. God sent his word to heal us and to deliver us from all of our destruction. Our testimony is we were deceived people trying to impose fallen beliefs on each other, fighting like cats and dogs, and what saved us was the truth of the word of God. That's what saved our marriage. Let me, let me, say, let me ask you another question. How did you learn about marriage? I mean, who taught you about marriage? Your parents' marriage, society? I mean, because if your thinking about marriage came from anything other than this, you're in bondage. Let me talk about the challenges of change. When you talk about someone's thinking, here, here are the challenges. And we're going to read the second most hated passage of Scripture in the Bible. The most hated passage of Scripture in the Bible is Malachi 3 that talks about tithing. Okay. That's the most hated. Okay. I'm a preacher, I know. Okay. Preached about it many times. Okay. Here's the second most hated passage of Scripture in the Bible related to marriage. Ephesians 5, verse 21. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Well, I've been a marriage counselor for 34 years, and I've never one time read that to a person in having marriage problems and gotten anything other than disgust. I'm talking about Christians. When you have a woman struggling, and by the way, that begins with a very important sentence that says, submit to one another in the fear of God. It, wives, here's how to do that. Husbands, here's how to do that. Ephesians 5 does not tell women to submit to men and men to rule over women. That's not what it says. It says, men, here's how you submit to your wife. Women, here's how you submit to your husband. Again, Karen and I never talk about who the boss is in our family because Jesus is the boss in our family. Okay, everything we do is under the authority of Jesus. So listen. So when you read Ephesians 5, there's just like giving, just like tithing, you know, I, I've never preached on tithing anybody applauded. <laughs> but I've literally seen people get beat red and just get up and leave. Talking about tithing. Okay, that's the most hated scripture. The second most hated is that right there about marriage. Submit, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. <laughs> ah, I just love it. Because I know it just makes everybody mad. Men, Lay your lives down and you serve her as Christ did the church. You nourish and cherish her as you would your own body. See, here's the interesting thing about that scripture. We love what it says about our spouse. Every man's thinking, that's heaven, Jimmy, for my wife to treat me like that. Every woman says, that's heaven for me to have a sacrificial husband who nourishes. Amen. Y'all agree? Okay. We love what it says about our spouse. We just don't like what it says about us. And in 34 years of marriage counseling, I've never read this to anybody and they said, Pastor Jimmy, thank you. That settles it for me. I love that. <laughs> I read this and they look at me and it's kind of like, you don't understand. I accidentally married the devil's ex-wife. <laughs> that would just make her mad. Oh, yeah. So let me tell you the challenges of change. In using Ephesians 5 as an example of a scripture that we don't like, and there are many of them, forgiveness, serving, giving, you know, whatever. There's a lot of scriptures we just don't like. Here are the challenges of changing our mind and conforming our mind to the word of God. Number one, the word of God offends our natural minds and is foolish to us. It offends us. It, the word of God, there are many times, just like the Jews. The, Jesus turned to the Jews and told them the absolute truth. Okay? And they got mad and wanted to kill him. Okay? Jesus got killed because he told truth to a society that didn't want to hear it. That's the truth. Okay? It, it offends our minds. 1 Corinthians 2.14. Again, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. They're foolish. Submission is foolish to the natural mind. Sacrifice and service, laying your life down for your spouse is foolish. Giving is foolishness. Forgiving is foolishness. It's, it's all foolish to our natural mind. That's the challenge of change is because this is, this is so offensive 
to our natural mindset in the way that we think. The world simply doesn't think the way God thinks. This is the way God thinks right here. So when I go home today, uh, we, Karen and I are babysitting five grandchildren all week long. Okay. The, the beauty is we have twin granddaughters, Julie's, Julie and Corey's daughters. They're 14 years old. We have built-in help with 14-year-old 14 14-year-old girls. So they're gonna be wonderful. And then Brent and Stephanie, their nine-year-old daughter, Kate, is wonderful. And, but then we have uh, wonderful grandsons, but uh, four-year-old Reed and two-year-old Luke. And they're the ones we're all gonna have to help. You know. And so I'm going home to a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Okay. Let me ask you this question, okay, like in parenting. Have you ever, like a four-year-old, let's use a four-year-old as an example. Have you ever said to a four-year-old child, you need to go pick up your toys now. Have you ever had a four-year-old say, that makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, mom and dad, I'm just a four-year-old kid. I need a lot of help here. I have very limited life experience. You obviously have a lot of experience that I can draw from. And can I say, anytime you see me doing something I shouldn't be doing, will you tell me? Because <laughs> I need someone like you speaking into my life. And I'm just thankful that God gave me a mom and dad like you. Love you guys. Love you guys. Is that what happens when you tell a four-year-old, go pick up your toys? Children are offended a hundred times a day. Go pick up your toys. <laughs> I'm going home to that. Pray for Pastor Jimmy. They're all day long, they're offended. Why? Because their natural mind, let me say this, is it right to teach them responsibility? Is it right to say, now you go make up with your sister. You go make, it, that's right, okay? All day long, parents are telling children right things, right? They're offended all day long. And when they turn teenagers, it gets 10 times worse. Because now they're geniuses. You say, I want you to do this and this. I know that. I've like been on the web all day. I got like 300 likes. Yeah. I was never like that, but. Being a parent just means offending your child all the time by being a good parent. You're telling them the truth. Why don't they receive it? Because they're foolish. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Right? No, it's gotten real quiet in here, right? I know your children may be with you, but okay. And, and for, the, for the teenagers here, yeah, that didn't apply to you. Yeah, that's, I know you're not like that. They're foolish. So the truth doesn't make any sense to them, but a loving parent says it to them to protect them, Right? So when God offends us, is he being a loving parent telling us truth to protect us? Hmm? You bet he is. And why don't we listen to it? Because we're foolish and we have fallen minds. And he says, I want you to be a giver. I want you to be generous. I want you to be a forgiver. I want you to love your enemies. Husbands, I want you to love that wife I gave you the way I love the church. I want you to lay your life down for her. 
Women, I want you to honor that man you have there. He represents me in your home. All the truth of the Bible that offends us comes from a loving God. And we can either be children, immature, down here rejecting the word of God and trying to live based on our fallenness, or we can get to the point where the word of God doesn't offend us any longer because we say, God, we want you to teach us. We admit that we need help, but the word of God offends our natural minds. It's always offensive to our natural minds. That's the first challenge of change. We have to get over the offensiveness of the word of God. Number two, the word of God requires us to act in faith contrary to our feelings. In the, it does. The word of God comes and says, act above your feelings. Well, well what are my feelings? Fear. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, going back to the issue of giving. 2 Corinthians 9 says, let each, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of compulsion. Listen to me. I know you want to give. Everyone wants to give. Why don't we give? Fear. Fear ruled our home. Fear ruled our home. Why did I treat Karen the way I treated her? Well, deception, but fear. Fear if I did what the Bible said that, you know, it wouldn't work and it would make things worse. It was true of giving. It was true of the way I treated Karen. We both lived in fear. And the word of God comes to us and it says, by faith, act like God likes, loves you. By faith. I know you may not feel like God loves you, but by faith, act as though you have a father in heaven who cares about all your needs. Pray and believe in faith. By faith, forgive. Believing it's the right thing to do and God will bless you for it. By faith, treat your spouse the way the word tells you to treat your spouse and believe God that it's gonna work in your marriage and help your marriage. Okay. By faith. So the word of God, the challenge of the word of God is it doesn't cater to our feelings. It acts contradictory to our feelings. But when we honor it, it comes true and our fear becomes faith. It heals us. Number three, the word of God contradicts our deeply held beliefs we believe are true. The, the Pharisees believed that they were better than everybody else. That's what they believed. The, the Jews who believed in Jesus believed that they were the pinnacle of freedom on the earth. And if everyone believed like them, they would be the pinnacle of freedom. And by the way, the Pharisees had memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Pentateuch. They knew it. They could recite it. And Jesus said, if you're my disciples, you'll abide in my word. And you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And, and they're like, did he, just tell, did he just tell me that I need to abide in the word? I am the word, baby. Just tell me a verse, I'll quote it to you. And you're, you're telling me that I need more of the word? Jesus said, exactly. You're mean-spirited and you kill people. You need more love. And you may know the Bible, but if you don't know about love, you don't know truth. Amen. See, we have deeply held beliefs that may be wrong. The number one condition of being set free is a teachable spirit. Jesus said, if you're my disciples indeed, you will know the truth, you'll abide in the word, and the truth, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The word disciple is the Greek word methetes. It means learner, a learner. A teachable spirit is simply a spirit that comes to God and says, I want you to teach me. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a clean sheet of paper. Related to everything I believe, I want every thought in my mind to conform to this. The worst marriage in the world 
is two deceived people trying to impose their deception on each other. And I just described most marriages. The most beautiful marriage in the world is two people who have been conformed to the word of God, completely unified under the word of God because they're both thinking in union with God. That's our marriage. We're not perfect. But when you take our marriage today uh, versus our marriage 30, 43 years ago, Karen and I have been transformed by the word of God because we sit at the feet of God asking him to teach us. Both individually together. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, if you're really my disciples, it will be proved by your teachable spirit. If you're really a learner, you're gonna abide in my word. Here's another thing that is a condition of being set free, is a commitment to the word of God is the standard of truth in our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a source of truth, this is the standard of truth on the earth. This is the book that all other books are measured by. I don't care if a man says it, I don't care if a movie says it, I don't care if a so-called expert says it, if it disagrees with this, I'm choosing this over every other source of truth. This is the source of truth. As a parent, our daughter Julia is a little over 40 years old, um, and we made a decision over 40 years ago that we were gonna raise our children based on the word of God. 40 years later, I'm so thankful that we based our parenting on an eternal standard of truth, and I'm thankful that our grandchildren are being raised the same way. But if we would have chosen a worldly source of information, that source would have changed 15 times, and we would have wasted our parenting on an unreliable source of information. This is the standard of truth. The third is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of God. John 1:12. in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was with God, he was in the beginning with God. Jesus Christ is the word of God. This is alive. It is a part of the spirit of Christ who dwells within us. Well, today's program is called A Marriage Based on Truth. You know, truth is not what you feel or I feel. It's not my past or your past. Truth is God's word. Truth is based on the eternal standard of God. Well, when Karen and I got married, you know, we were like most people. We both had pain from our past. We both had different parents that raised us in different ways, different kind of a different culture, you know, different church backgrounds, things like that. But when we got married, what happened was we began to try to impose our truth on each other. Well, it didn't work. We both resented it because so much of our truth was you know, a feeling or so much of our truth was a different culture. It wasn't the truth, it was just you know, the way we saw things. But a lot of the truth that we tried to impose on each other wasn't truth at all, it was fear. Based on our trauma from our past, based on pain, based on whatever it might be. And the fear that that created within our marriage was really one of the main reasons that we fought until we came to the place of deciding that truth was not the way that either one of us believed or the way that either one of us felt. Truth was the word of God. See, so many marriages are two people butting heads trying to train the other person in what is truth. That's not the way marriage works. Marriage is we come together and we surrender to the word of God. Jesus said, Father, this is in John 17, Jesus said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And one of the most important things in our marriage 
is to come to the place where we stop butting heads, we stop arguing with each other, and we say, you know something? We want our marriage to be based on truth, and for that reason, we're gonna, we're gonna seek the Word of God. We're not gonna try to impose our will on each other. We are going to humble ourselves before God and each other, and we're gonna seek the Word of God. Now, Karen and I did this. We went from the brink of divorce to being happily married because we finally got to the place where we admitted our feelings weren't true. They may be real, they weren't true. Our past was real, but it wasn't necessarily true. But the Word of God created a foundation, according to Matthew 7. It created a rock that we built our home upon, and that rock has now stood for 43 years. One truth, one belief system that we both agree with that is good to both of us and good to our marriage and good to our family. My encouragement to you is put your marriage on the Word of God. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.